Amen. Well, I, I thought I'd start, I wasn't going to start with this illustration, but it, you know, might as well. Anyhow, <laughs> the, the text is warning, right? Warning. Now, the, the scripture that we're looking at today is going to be in 2 Peter, and it's about the coming of Christ and about judgment that's coming in our world. Now, I, I, we need to understand that our, our way of living and our way of life um, is being challenged, all right? The Christian principles are being challenged, and Peter talked about this, you know, 2,000 years ago, but um, as we begin, we're giving a warning, but also, I don't want to, you know, how can I say this? I remember whenever, uh, when I was a kid, when I was a kid in church and <laughs> talked about warnings and stuff, you know, you were on fire before church was over, <laughs> you know, but I didn't want to, I don't, I don't do that, maybe I should, I don't know, but um, anyhow, we know what this is, it's a $20 bill. Right now, if you go to the store and you put, uh, buy, put take something off the shelf and it says 1995. I know there's tax, but we'll just use the idea it's 1995. We know that we have the right currency to pay for that item. If someone something's a 99 dollars, we if you have a hundred dollar bill, you put it down and I know there's tax, but we're just not talking about tax. So you put the we have the currency to put down and purchase what it is that we want to have. Now, faith is the currency of heaven. Okay? If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, I mean, it's the size of a head of a pin. If you have that much faith, you can say to the mountains, be moved, and they'll move. That's complete opposite of currency. Currency has to have, you know, the more zeros we put at the end of a two, <laughs> the more value it is. You know, I always jokingly say, what's a zero among friends? Just add another zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know, well, rather $10, it's $100. If it's $100, it's $1,000. If it's, you know, just add a few more zeros. So the value increases, and so we know the, the ability to purchase continues to go up with the higher the numbers. In heaven, and in, in our, the currency of heaven, here in earth and with us, is not so much quantitative, but how much we believe that God can do what he says he will do. So if you, have the faith, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, so God doesn't look at quantitative. He doesn't look at the number of zeros and the number, the number at the beginning and the number of zeros that follow. He doesn't look at that. He says, do you believe? <laughs> do you believe that all things are possible? The Bible says, do you, if, if you believe, all things are possible. So the question comes, do you believe? Well, how much faith do I need to have? Well, you need to have, quantitatively, a mustard seed, the head of a pen. <laughs> That's all you have to have. You know? So whenever we're looking at this and we're believing, our belief is not quantitative. It's just having enough faith to ask and to believe that God is, can perform what he said he would do. 
So the challenge is, as we're going through our lives and going through the society that we live in, and also the society Paul spoke of, that there is a, um, a lot of changes and there's a lot of problems going on. There's a lot of immorality. There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things, all right? So, whenever we were traveling, <laughs> there was a, a number of warnings. You know what a warning is, you know? Warnings are flashing lights, you know? There's a sign that says if uh, emergency vehicles or police, basically police or ambulance, flashing, flashing lights or um, rescue vehicles, things, you need to clear over and give them a whole lane and move over, okay? You see that? That's a warning. So it tells you ahead of time, if you see this, you need to slow down and move over. I always, I mean, some of the signs say, if you hit a worker, $10,000 fine and nine years in prison. Oh, okay. You know, they're, they're putting it out there. If there's workers and there's construction workers, you better slow down and pay attention or you're going to pay. All right? I, I always say, um, well, some people... These signs mean nothing. <laughs> there are some people on the highway. I, I, I could have swore, I didn't swear, but I could have swore <laughs> that they were going 100 miles an hour. You know, they're just flying down the road, and they're weaving in and out of traffic, and, you know, you pray, God, <laughs> I'm the one guy, I said, God, I prayed for the man. I said, may he only kill himself and no one else. <laughs> that was my prayer. You know, God, give him some sense. Whatever, whatever it may be, he probably doesn't know what it is. He probably asked for change at the department store and said, oh, I got some sense. So there are some people that may pay no attention to the speed limits. There's people who pay no attention to the warning signs. Well, Second Peter is a letter of warning. It's a letter of warning to the, the people that Peter is writing to, but to the church in general at that time period. But it's also a warning for us to take heed to some things that we need to be aware of. So, and it is Peter's last message. This is the last thing Peter writes prior to his execution, becoming a martyr. So this is a letter that, and Peter writes in the letter that, he knows that his time is coming. It's almost up. So what is it that Peter finds so important that the last thing that he's going to give to us from his life and from his relationship with Jesus Christ, from his you know, being a disciple to the um, crucifixion and his denial to Pentecost and you know, his preaching, what is Peter going to give us? What is he going to say that's the most important part of his life that he wants to impart to us. <laughs> well, Peter gives us a warning. It is, he wants us to warn, he, he writes to warn us of an internal attack and complacency and heresy. Hmm. Now, he could have written about the Romans and their barbaric, <laughs> you know, nature and conquering and killing and you know, pillaging, you know, but he didn't write about that. He wrote about the church, and he wrote about how that people are become complacent, that you're driving down the road, and there's, a, you know, it says um, construction ahead, slow down. Complacency says, I'm not going that fast. 
You know, there's workers on the road. Well, they'll move. You know, danger ahead. It's all right. I've handled danger before. And that's, I think that's complacency. Whenever we recognize that there are needs in the church or needs in the body of Christ, and we just kind of, oh, yeah, it's always been here. <laughs> you know, be bopping down the road. Well, Paul, uh, Peter is, is telling believers that we are to hold fast to the non-negotiable, I like that word, non-negotiable facts of our faith. Now, when you go to buy something, in our society, do you ever, you, you know, you pick something up and we don't go to the counter and say, it says 1995, but I'll give you 15 for it. Like, what? <laughs> I'll give you $15 for this. This is 1995. Well, 1995. No, I'll give you 15. You know, you only do that at yard sales. <laughs> it's non-negotiable. Well, God and the scripture are non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. The soul that sins, it will die. <laughs> you know, well, God is good and God will forgive and God wants everybody to go to heaven and I really haven't killed anybody and I haven't done anything that bad, you know, so let's, let's, let's negotiate this a little bit here. <laughs> no. You know, when the, when the road says bump ahead in a motorhome that we have, it, 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 it rides like a brick. There are no shock absorbers. <laughs> it's only kaboom, boom, and the rattle, you know. <laughs> so, you know. And there are curve ahead. You slow down. And I really get upset. Two times, maybe three times, I blew my horn. I didn't blow a gasket, I blew my horn. Going down the road, straight down the road, I'm driving along, and I look down in the right-hand corner, and there's this guy coming into my lane. And it's just his front bumper and his front tire are getting next to him. I'm moving over, and he keeps coming. I'm blowing the horn, you know? And I look in the mirror, and he's texting. He's texting. Going 75, no, I wasn't going 75, 65 miles an hour down the road, and the guy's texting, and he's coming over into my lane. He's not paying attention. So I blew the horn. I got his attention. Did he worry about it? Oh, no, he just blew it over. And he, you know, he's going on down the road. So there were a couple other things. But I wonder sometimes, does, how does God blow the horn? How does God blow his horn to us to get us to know we are not paying attention? That we are per, or perhaps complacent or that we're trying to negotiate some non-negotiable facts. Now, always remember, faith isn't, quite, it's, it, it isn't like currency that we're used to. Faith is the ability to know what God says and the ability to state that word as a prayer to God 
and recognize and feel and understand that it is God speaking that word back to our own heart. That's non-negotiable. And it is not how much faith do you have. It's do you have faith enough to ask? Do we have faith enough to believe that God has said that if you have this currency, you can ask what you will, and it shall be done. Amen. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, Scripture tells us what to expect and what to watch for. And the Scripture tells us what is coming. As believers, then, we are to continue to grow and to mature in our faith, and that it is by the help and the work of the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, is God in us, the Spirit of God that came on, that was manifest on the day of Pentecost and is in our life and that when we ask Christ to be our Savior, he abides within us. His presence is in us. He fills us with his Spirit. He fills us with his wisdom and guidance and, you know, the gifts and the fruits and all of these things are part of us because of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is with us. And every time we think of God and remind ourselves that God is with us, that's the Spirit of God speaking to our minds and hearts. So if the Spirit of God says to us, pray, we need to stop and pray. We need to be aware, you know, look down. Oh, wow, <laughs> move over. Yeah. So 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in doing what he promised. Now, sometimes um, we purchase things and uh, it's in the mail and we don't get it. You know, it, we purchase it, we paid for it, whatever, it's in the mail. And weeks go by and it still didn't show up. Well, in the currency of heaven, Whenever we believe that God is going to bring, do, work, perform, help in our lives and it doesn't show up, we need to remember that God is not slow in doing what he has promised. The way that some people understand slowness. <laughs> you know, sometimes we would say, um, you know, we understand slowness is that, that I need it here in the next 30 seconds. If it doesn't happen in 30 seconds, it's slow. Well, sometimes <laughs> there's a story. Chaplin told this at our conference, and he said he went to um, a review board, and the, the one inmate was going there. He was, he was there for 30, excuse me, he was there for three life sentences. And he went to the review board to appeal his uh, sentences that he might have a you know, a reprieve from three life sentences. And the review board says, in 50 years, you'll, you'll be set free. 50 years. And the guy left the meeting <laughs> re relieved that and thanking God. He was a, became a, gave, gave his life to Christ in the prison. And, and he was thanking God that, you know, 50 years from now, I can get out of here. Same chaplain went to review board with a guy who had been sentenced for nine months. 
And he went to the review board and they reviewed his case and they said, no reprieve. You're going to serve out your full term of nine months. The guy went out of there mad, storming. God forsake me. God hasn't performed. God didn't do what he promised. He was all mad at God. And the challenge is perspective. One guy had a hope of freedom in 50 years, and the other guy had nine months to serve out his sentence, and he's all mad at God. You see, God is not slow in performing what he has promised. What is the perspective that we bring to this? What is the attitude that we have about ourselves and about what God is going to do in our life and the non-negotiable aspects of our faith? Now, sometimes, you know, we read that non-negotiable facts, aspects of our faith. Well, thou shalt not commit adultery, non-negotiable fact. You shall not steal. Okay. But no one was looking. <laughs> thou shalt not steal. You don't bear false, but you don't lie about people. Well, it was just a little white one. <laughs> you know, non-negotiable. Okay, so we think of the non-negotiable aspects of God's um, word, perhaps in the Ten Commandments. Well, also the non-negotiable aspects of, God, uh, of our faith is, if you ask, you shall receive. If you knock, the door will be open. It's non-negotiable. If you seek, you will find. You see, somehow we think the promises of God are negotiable, the commandments of God are non-negotiable. Well, not true. The non-negotiable aspects of God is that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Non-negotiable. Do we think in the context of how God thinks of this is that when, when God doesn't want us to sin, non-negotiable, he, he doesn't want us to have anything that would come between us. God wants to make sure that he and us are really good at this. <laughs> that's, that's why God says don't sin, non-negotiable. I don't want anything to separate us. I don't want anything to come between us. I love you so much, I will do anything for you. And what is the anything he wants? Well, what is the dream of our heart? Ask. He's going to give you an answer. What is the hardest thing that you do? What is the least hardest thing that you do? Ask. <laughs> it's whenever we think that we can do this on our own, we don't ask. And what do you think happens? God wants us to, he sounds the alarm, beeps the horn. <laughs> uh, in my, well, Rhonda gets upset when I say this. But don't tell her I said this, okay. In my new motorhome that has a diesel, I'm going to get one of those air horns that are like, that are like uh, train, freight trains. And I'm going to have it coming out the bottom so that when I pull on that horn, it is going to rattle their cage. <laughs> I mean, it is going to sound like there's a freight train in their, in their trunk. All right? And it's going to vibrate so much that even the people who have bass drums in their back, their windows are going to vibrate. I don't know what I was talking about, but that was good. 
It's non-negotiable. You know, God is going to light it up, and he's going to pull it together in our life. So when God wants to do something in our life, he wants to put it in our hearts and our minds. A dream. You know, uh, a few weeks ago, before we left, I think it was the Sunday, uh, graduation Sunday, um, I spoke about caterpillar, you know, caterpillar and uh, butterfly. It, if you watch the senior graduation, the young girl who was our neighbor uh, spoke at the Wimber High School graduation, and she talked about the butterfly and the caterpillar. <laughs> Very same story. You know, it was, it was kind of unique, and there was something else happened that same weekend when somebody else spoke about the caterpillar and the butterfly. And it was just kind of unique. Well, anyhow, we were invited to her graduation party yesterday, so we came back and went there, and Rhonda gave her a thing about butterflies and gave her a butterfly, and I'm going to send them the link to our, my sermon so they can listen to a really good sermon. So, the Lord is not slow in doing what he has promised, the way that some people understand slowness. But God is being patient with you. Now, wait a minute. I'm praying and asking God for something, and I want it now. And God is telling me, I'm being patient with you by not giving it to you. Wait a minute. You don't need patience. No, I don't need patience. You need to hurry up. <laughs> Why? Because I, I, I want this now. Can't you see that this is what I need? Can't you see that this will solve all of my problems if you just answer my prayer? I don't need patience. Woo! Woo! <laughs> you know, So, but God is being patient with you. You you wonder sometimes why God doesn't answer your prayers. It's because sometimes what we desire isn't what God desires. You know? And God wants us to be patient in our faith but never lose the expectation of the answer. God's going to give it. So, he does not want, and the reason that he is patient with us is that he does not want any one of you to be lost or to perish. God knows the end from the beginning. He knows what we need and what we don't need, and he knows what's going to send us over the edge. (laughs) Cause us to lose out in our faith, and lose out in our life. He knows what that is. And we're thinking it's going to be the answer to our life, and God is saying, no, 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 David, hold on. This isn't what you really need. I'm being patient with you because I don't want to lose you. God's telling us that. He doesn't want to lose us. And that he wants all people he does not want anyone to be lost. Now, we, want to, we ask, well, why doesn't Jesus return? And this, this, um, ver- this chapter that Peter is declaring here, you can read it, 2 Peter 3, 9, because I'm not going to get to it. But 
he's telling them about all the, 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 the nasty things that's going to happen. People are going to lose their faith and people are going to um, do all kinds of stupid things and follow after wrong teachers and be complacent in their faith and all this kind of stuff. And he, he, Peter's telling us in this verse that he, God does not want anyone to be lost or to perish, but he wants all people to change their hearts and their lives. He wants everyone to come to repentance. So why is it that Jesus, has, why is it that Jesus hasn't returned? Why is, it that, why is it the trump of God hasn't sounded and the dead in Christ will rise and we which, go to, uh, which are alive remain are caught up and go to heaven? Why hasn't that happened? There are some people that aren't saved yet. <laughs> there are some people that are lost and God doesn't want them to be lost. There's still hope for them to be saved. That's us. That's our mission. So we become complacent, but lost, they continue to be lost. But whenever we are fervent in our faith, knowing that God is at work in everything that we say and do, that we are going to be, these people are going to be looking to us and reading our Bible, us, reading the Bible, and God is going to reveal things in their life to give them hope and give them strength and give them direction in their life so that they wouldn't be lost. Now, Paul, Paul, Peter says in verse 3, it is most important for you to understand what will happen in the last days. I want you to remember this. Peter says this. Okay, this is Peter's last message to the church before he dies. He says, understand what will happen in the last days. There will be scoffers and people who will laugh at you. They will live doing evil things they want to do. And they will say that Jesus promised to come again. Where is he? Our fathers have died, but the world continues the way it was, has been ever since. But you see, they do not remember what happened. These people do not remember what happened. They don't believe in creation. God spoke the world into existence. They don't believe that Jesus came to save them from their sin. They don't believe that there's a God who loves and cares for them. I, I pulled up a song. Um, it was uh, written by John Lennon, the member of the Beatles. And uh, it's Imagine. And it's, a, you know, quite a nice little song. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Forgive my sarcasm. Imagine all the people living for today. Now wait a minute. <laughs> Imagine everybody living as if today is their last day and it's only for me. Chaos. Structures all gone. But anyhow, I'm not preaching on this, this song. Imagine there's no countries. It's not hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. It's almost as if they are, the, 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 and I don't know the lyrics and what, why they wrote the way they did or whatever, but it's like religion is the cause 
of division. <laughs> you know, believing in heaven and hell, believing that there's a, a heaven to go to and a hell to shun, believing that God has come to save us from the things that would destroy us, and just imagine that it all goes away. <laughs> it doesn't go away. Imagine there's no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of men. <laughs> Imagine all the people sharing all the world. If, well, the problem with human nature is that it's human. <laughs> it, it doesn't see beyond its own, it doesn't see beyond its own selfishness, its own preservation. Love is loving someone else. Christ loved us. He who knew no sin, he who did nothing wrong, loved us enough to die for us. Well, when all of this comes together, when all of this comes to an end, it isn't that we have to imagine that there's no heaven. There is a heaven. And that when it's all over, we are going to behold him. <laughs> We are going to behold him and see him face to face and that we're going to understand what life has been all about and all the obstacles and all the difficulties have been about because God is going to show himself to us, reveal himself, just as his word has declared and given to us in the scriptures. It reveals to us who he is, who we are, and that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And we prepare our hearts to go there in our lives to serve him, in our life to have a di make a difference because Christ is in us. And I, I picked, well, it just when I was thinking of this, this message, and I thought, well, you know, how, I, how do you want to close this? You know, there's judgment, and there's, uh, there's this people being complacent, and, you know, how, what's, good about, how, what's good about all of this? Well, when it's all over, we do what we do because there's a divine purpose in it. God doesn't want us to be separated from him, and he doesn't want our failures to tie us to our past. He wants us to be forgiven so that his will and his purpose can continue to be fulfilled in our life without the obstacles of failure and sin. That's why Peter wants us not to become complacent. Why Peter wants us to be, not lose that vision of who we are in Christ. Because one day, we're going to behold him. <laughs> and it's all going to be for good. So all what we consider sacrifice and all that we consider for difficulties, when we see Jesus, no problem here. <laughs> and so that's how we live. No problem here. We're set free from our past, our failures, our sin, and God has brought us together to be one with him now and forevermore. Amen? Amen. Yeah, let's stand. <laughs> and remember, the currency of heaven is faith. <laughs> and faith enough to ask is faith enough to receive. Jesus, we thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for your word, O oh God, that inspires our hearts. Thank you, O oh God, for your Holy Spirit 
that abides with us and empowers us and speaks to us and speaks through us, enlightens your word and causes us to see triumph in tragedy, causes us to know that you have provision in loss. God knows that we are more than conquerors even when it feels like we have failed. God, we, we know that in you all things are possible because we believe. Amen. We believe. Amen. God bless you. No limit. No limit on God's currency.